Welcome back in, everyone, to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very fun show in store for you today with an incredible artist here to talk to us about it. Joining us today, we have the playwright and performer Katie Alice White, whose new upcoming show, Hi, My Name Is, is playing November 8th, 10th, and 12th at the Teatro Latea. That's at 107 Suffolk Street here in New York. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting NewYorkTheaterFestival.com. This is a fabulous show. It's not what you expected, and it's even better than what you expected. So we are so excited to welcome on our guests. And uh, let's go ahead and bring her on, Katie Alice White. Katie, welcome in the wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. I'm very very excited to be here. I showered to show you how much this meant to me. I even put on deodorant. That's how you know I took it seriously. I was wondering what that lovely fragrance in the air was, and I knew it, it wasn't me. And you knew it was like, wow, it was surprisingly Katie. <laughs> I'm so excited not only to talk to you, but to talk about your show, which is, I mean, just reading the little description about it, I was like, this is relatable in a frightening way. And I love it. So could we start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about what Hi, My Name Is is about? Yeah, so Hi, My Name Is is an anthropomorphic external conversation of all of that internal talk that we do when we're either trying to make basic decisions about our lives or the really big, oh my God, am I a monster thing? The device that I've used is Katie and Catherine have the world's worst lease agreement. And they are forcing the audience to vote on, oh, no, Katie definitely deserves to stay in charge or Katie's had enough. Let's get Kevin McCarthy out of the way and let's let's get a new speakership in here. So really, the idea is that we employ this schizophrenic storytelling style. Katie interrupts Catherine to prove Catherine wrong. Catherine has to interrupt Katie. And as they are desperate to prove their worth, the idea is that, oh my God, we are all this broken and fractured inside. And I want to reveal that mess inside of us all. That sounds fabulous and hilarious at the same time. I I mean, I hope it's okay that we laugh, but <laughs> it sounds wonderful. That, that, that's my goal, you know, because I, I think part of the thing that Catherine hates about me is that I can be a little pathological. So, so yeah, digging into uncomfortable, awkward, forcing the audience to laugh when they don't want to and being like, oh my God, why am I laughing at that is all part of that psychology I want us to explore together because we all have the same, I'm of that horrible Shakespearean mindset that we we are all the same inherently. And here's me proving that I'm the same as you. And oh my God, for the love of God, shut Catherine up. Prove <laughs> to her I deserve to be in charge. Love that. Well, how did you come up with the idea for the show? Well, my big joke is spend five minutes alone with Catherine and you'll figure out why. But the big impedits kind of was my MFA thesis was a graphic novel because I I love graphic novels. And if I was being tasked with talking about my life and my art and my thesis, 
The only way I knew how to do that was with images and words. So I wrote this graphic novel and my MFA thesis advisor was like, you, you need to do something with this. This is, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And in that way that all artists are like, oh yes, thank you. I'm sure it was wonderful, but also shut up. It can't be that good. I, I kind of just kept ignoring it. And then a few months later, he emailed me again and said, hey, I'm just checking in. Have you done something with this? You really need to. And that was enough for Catherine to go, okay, then we're doing something about this. And, and I could not shut her up that I had to write the play that developed from this graphic novel that I, I always was sure my whole story was going to be a graphic novel until I discovered, no, it's, it's a play and it's actually a play asking for help is, is really how this beast got created. That's very cool. I like that journey for you. Now, is this upcoming performance the world premiere of the show? No, we, I'm from originally from Colorado and I split part of my time between New York City, a little bit in Washington, D.C. and Colorado. And I, as, as egotistical as I can be, I, my ego was not so big as to think like, I'm going to bring this show to New York City as its very first chicken egg. So I was like, all right, start small. So we started off at the Denver Fringe Festival where it made it its world premiere and ended up selling out its run. And I thought, okay. So then we went to Pittsburgh Fringe Festival and we had a run there and we ended up winning Best Dramatic Writing. And I thought, I didn't bribe anybody. I know we don't have any money. Oh my God, this, okay, there might actually be something here. And we took it to Minnesota Fringe Festival. And then with enough kind of strength and courage behind me, I was like, okay, it, it can go to New York now. New York deserves it now. It has earned its place, you know, because I like, I genuinely mean, I, th there is some hubris in bringing a show to New York. And I, if I was going to bring something to New York, I was going to deserve, I wanted the audience to deserve it and workshopping it around the country first. And it was like, okay, now New York, you, you get to see it as well. It's, it's finally ready for you. Is so awesome. I love I love this path that the show's gone on, cross country and everything. So kind of leading into my next question, you know, what has it been like developing this particular iteration of Hi, My Name Is, especially as we get ready to open the show here in New York? Well, my my director makes a joke where she's like, are we working on number 15 or number 16 at this point? Because I feel like every time I perform it, there's another piece where I'm like, no, that's not right. We need to do this. No, that's not right. We need to fix this. But I know it also sounds so classically Katie naive to be like, it was really weird developing a show that was based on my life. I didn't be that hard because I just, I, I don't know much about things before I do them. If I want to do them, I just go and do it. And one of the first things I realized when I was developing this was I am not going to shy away from the abuse that I suffered at the hands of a stranger and at the hands of my father. And if I was going to ask the audience to walk that path with me, I needed to walk that path. And the first thing was I couldn't remember the name of the man who assaulted me. And that 
blew me away when I was writing about that as part of this play and realizing as I was developing it, there are just things Katie for decades has not talked about and has not confronted. And when his name came screaming back into my subconscious, it was a gift. It was a relief. It was horrible, but it was like, okay, this is what developing this is. And it's, it's confronting it and it's uncomfortable, but I, I do not get to ask the audience to be uncomfortable with me and, and to deliberately make them uncomfortable if I, if I don't go through that as well. So that was the most fascinating thing about developing it was, was realizing things I have forgotten and then rediscovering them where I am now and, and getting to write about that disconnection was a, was a, was a gift as well. Wow. That is incredible. Wow. I, out of left field, here you come with all that. That's amazing. Thank you. Is there a message or a thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from your show? I grew up in a house that was very neurodivergent. My my brother is high-functioning autism. There have often been thoughts that I fit on that scale somehow. And I, I always saw my brother's struggle as being neurodivergent and it like, it's not his fault. His brain is different. It's not his fault that he thinks differently, that he sees people differently, that he interacts with people differently, that there's a part of him that is so rigid and so contained that the part of him that wants to break free just cannot do that. And I really, especially as the joke of like, can I talk to Catherine now? Or can I talk to Katie now? And it became a bigger joke. I realized I was like, no, we need to celebrate that. And my message I just wanted to show was that we are all broken and we are all of our brains are messed up and we all think and feel differently. And I hated that we condemned neurodivergency for so long. And it really the, the journey I saw my brother to have to go to being expelled from school and losing friends just because he's autistic. And I thought, well, I'm a little neurodivergent and we should celebrate that. And I think it's fantastic that I have this whole other person living inside of me that drives me insane, but she tells me to do the laundry and I wouldn't do the laundry if it wasn't for her. So I kind of need her. So I, my message is like, that's beautiful. And we all should celebrate that as far as I'm concerned. That is amazing. I love that message so much, so much. My final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to Hi, My Name Is? It seems pedantic and like I'm trying to apply for Miss America when I say the world, world's peace. But really, honestly, for me, people who have been abused that have never felt like they've been allowed to talk about it. People who got, like I was lucky enough to also get a STI from my rapist and never, and feeling like I couldn't talk about that. And that gave me endometriosis. So I'm not allowed to talk about that. So really the people I'm trying to access is like, you can talk about this. You are allowed to talk about this. You are supposed to talk about this. The word taboo has the word boo in it for a reason, as far as I'm concerned. So I am I am not interested in, in shying away from 
from the fact that I was abused by my father and I was abused by this. And I want to reach those people. I, I had a woman when I performed the show in Minnesota who came up to me and she said, I have dual personality disorder. And this was the most beautiful representation of that I have ever seen because it, she said it wasn't judging it and it wasn't critiquing it. It just showed what it's like to have conversations with yourself. And I just want to show people, you know, Darwin said we stopped looking for monsters when we, when we realized the monsters were inside of us. And that's what I want to reach is like, it's okay that we need to talk and reach those monsters. And we need to talk about that. So that's my, that's my hope. switch things up for the second part of our interview and if it's possible let our listeners get to know you a little bit better yeah. <laughs> and i want to start with our regular first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights or composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites so i will admit so uh, when I when I first saw this question, I was like, oh, my goodness, do they mean writers of books? Do they mean writers of television? Do they mean writers of music? Do they mean writers of film? Do they mean writers of comic books? So I was really like, oh, God, OK, OK. Like Catherine was like, OK, you got to like limit it to five. I, I I remember the first thing that I visually saw that again, in that way, Katie's like, wait, we can do this was Guillermo del Toro's El Labertín del Fauno. I blew my mind. I literally did. I, I did not know we were allowed to do that, that we were allowed to make art like that because I wasn't seeing that being made. So for me, I thought, oh my God, monsters and fairy tales, that gets to be beautiful. And then I remember being devastated to learn that Cormac McCarthy died this year because the road is my absolute favorite book of all time. And that has absolutely influenced the way that I think about literature and the way that, I mean, I, I'm an addict to post-apocalyptic literature, but I didn't think it could be beautiful. I didn't think it could have heart. And I didn't think that it could have such a heartbreaking soul where you know it's gonna end. And I cried for 14 minutes straight after I finished reading the book because it just, I, it was so, so beautiful. But of course I'm weird and I read American Psycho once a year as well because I just absolutely adore its pureness of psychology. And he does not get in its own way. And Patrick Bateman doesn't care that he's Patrick Bateman. And I think that's beautiful. So I know it's a weird thing to be like, yeah, Katie, but are you forgetting the part where he's like killing people, right? And I'm like, yeah, but isn't that like, isn't that like wonderful? Like when people's desires are so awful that they drive them to that. But I, of course, Martin McDonough. Ugh, I hate Martin McDonough. I can't even tell you how much I hate Martin McDonough. He's just, I thought the Banshees of Inisherin was fantastic. And to cap off the people who I hate most right now is Jesse Armstrong. Cause I don't think it's fair that he got to do Peep Show and that Mitchell and Webb look and succession. I just, 
I just find that selfish. But I think also music, Beethoven, Van Gogh, Shakespeare, because I really am proper British. So I've, I've unfortunately, I like, I just love Shakespeare so much. And BTS, because I think they're the most delightful, adorable group of boys I've ever met in my entire, I mean, I've never met them, but the most adorable boys I've ever seen. But that's my, those are all of the many ioticums of inspiration that pepper me every day. Wow. I love that list though. What a, <laughs> what a wonderful eclectic mix of things. I, I adore it. I really do. Thank you. <laughs> what is your favorite part about working in the theater? I think my favorite part is I, I have a lot of phrases that my friends make fun of me for saying over and over and over again. But one of them is like, well, the anthropologist in me, because I feel like like the like we should all just be anthropologists. How and 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 forgive the, the arrogance of my life philosophy if I sound like David Mitchell at all. Like, how can you decide that you don't like something if you've never done it, if you've never experienced it, or if you've never done any of the things that are ever are? So I love that I get to be an anthropologist in theater, that I get to be a different person in a different time with a group of different people. And perhaps I get to do it with a different voice and no other job do you get to be all of those experiences. And I also just think it's a gift to wear someone else's trauma for 45 minutes, to get to carry somebody else's pain for an hour, to get go, okay, Blanche, you do rely on the kindness of strangers. So let me let me go ahead and see what that's like. And, and I'm going to give you a break. And I just love that I get to be an anthropologist and I get to see what that's like. And then I get to come out and go, all right, what part of that trauma am I still carrying? And why am I still carrying it? And oh God, why was it so, oh no, no, I'm going to leave that behind and I never want to come back to that. So I, I love that theater... I, I get to be a scientist and I get to explore and and then get to come back and examine it and be a better anthropologist. And, you know, I'm like, well, how else do you know what strip clubs are like if you don't go to a strip club? So let's go to strip clubs, you know? So how else do you know what being a villainous murderer is like unless you're Iago? So let's be Iago is one of the things that I love about theater. The thing I love about theater. That's a fabulous answer. I love that. I'm going to carry that with me be an anthropologist. I love Please that. Please do. Especially in New York City. Let's be real. We've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests. And that is, what is your favorite theater memory? My, I, I, I feel like I should say something profound. Like when I was Mark Antony speaking to the throngs of Romans for my dead friend. Or when I saw my play first produced. But I remember being four years old and I was cobweb in A Midsummer's Night Dream at the Colorado Botanical Gardens. And I was backstage with all of the other fairies and the actor playing Puck, he was in this magnificent makeup and it was green and there was glitter and I had crazy hair and he was doing the robot. And I remember at four going, that's what I want forever. I want to wear glitter and I want to be with people who can just do the robot, then go out and do something and then come back and do the robot. And, and I just, at four, I was like, this is what I want. This is my favorite memory. 
of of the caring and the love. And this man was probably so annoyed that this four-year-old kept demanding that he do the robot over and over and over again, but he did it. And I loved that. And I, and that's always been the thing that stuck with me. And I'm like, those are theater people. They'll entertain the kids and they just will do it because they love it. And Edith wasn't getting it. And I don't think they had child wranglers at the time. So poor Puck was stuck with it. <laughs> I love that. What a wonderful memory though. That is fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing that memory. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, as any good starving hungry artist, the unfortunate MLM answer for you is yes. The 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 big kind of ones that I'm working on right now, it's always a great plug to say I'm working on something I call the Suicide Trilogy. And that's because I'm very much influenced by Pak John Wook's Revenge Trilogy. I think he's one of the most amazing directors of all time. Um, and when I saw, I loved his revenge trilogy. And again, I was like, wait, we can do that. So I'm going to do that. Um, so currently back of house productions is working on our suicide trilogy. The big show that we're going to tour that again, we tested out at Denver fringe first that sold out its run is a play called they break up at the end because I really, I loved, I read this book called they both die at the end, which I highly, highly recommend to my readers or my readers to your listeners because I loved that you knew what was going to happen, but oh my God, the anxiety of what was going to happen was overwhelming. And I thought, I want to do that. I'm going to steal that. And so I did. So I call, I wrote a play called They Break Up at the End, inspired by me reconciling an abusive relationship that I was a part of. So that's our big one as well. Uh, we have another play that we're going to shop around called Rhetoric, which it deals with the aftermath of an sexual abuse. And it's kind of like a Meisner-esque thing where they each finish each other's questions. One only asks questions, one only asks in statements and the way that it feels to a sexual assault victim where you are, you only have questions, but you are only being assaulted with answers. And then when I pretend I'm not Sam Shepard and I want to pretend like I'm Neil Gaiman, Balka House Productions, I really envision it as being productions. I'm working on our graphic novel, really the, the illustrator phase of that, which is the horrible, terrifying part of that whole process where I'm like, how do I find the perfect person that lets them do whatever they want, but Catherine is not going to be annoying and controlling about it. And then because I'm queer, I have a queer friend in Chicago who wants to do a queer, wants to do a film that it's about being gay, but has nothing to do with being gay. That it's just the thing that it is and is not the thing that it's about. You know, one of the things I love about Schitt's Creek, David is just gay and it just is what it is. And so we're like, so let's do that. So that's part of our productions. And I'm excited about moving into filming stuff. So Back of House team's got a lot of very <laughs> exciting deodorant needing things on its pipeline. <laughs> I love that. I love how many irons in the fire you have, though. This is so exciting. And that leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about Hi, my name is, or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? So the, of course, classic, you know, I should be better at this as a millennial social media. My Instagram and Facebook handle is both the same. It's Katie, K-A-T-Y versus Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E 
and then the word play. So that is the handle. That's, I'm sure, I think that's how the kids get in touch with each other. But of course, uh, we've got an email address, uh, B-O-H team, P-R-O-D, back a house team. Because I, I, it's, I, I'm a waitress. I was a waitress for a thousand years. So back a house people, you know, I'm like, they mean a lot to me. So, I, you know, I'm like, they're the people that got stuff done. So we named our production company back a house team productions after them. And if for whatever reason, Katie and Catherine have failed you, we have a business manager who picks up those puzzle pieces and she can be reached at Denise dot pass, like pass the butter at gmail.com. So that's the best way to, to get in contact with us, to find out about the show. We're also bringing Hi My Name Is. It's coming to the United Solo in March. So if for whatever reason you are not able to come in Mar- next week, or you want to come see it again, or you have enemies that you think would hate this show, go ahead and send them my way. I am more than happy to torture people you don't like for an hour in March, but we have lots of information I can give you about both of those. And just, I always love people reaching out going, so tell me more about this or that, or, and the best dog whistle is all you have to do is disparage the final season of Game of Thrones and I will come running. Well, fabulous. Katie, this has been so much fun. I don't want this interview to end, but sadly we have reached the end and I'm so appreciative of your time and all of your knowledge and everything you shared today. The show sounds amazing. I'm very excited about it and I can't wait to see what else you're going to be doing after it as well. sounds like you've got a million things coming. So I know this is not the last we'll be hearing of you. So thank you so much for your time and, and coming to speak with us today. It will sound absolutely disingenuous, but I, and I, and I meant what I said, like genuinely thank you for, for deigning to give me the time, you know, that's there, it up and coming producers who aren't anything do often feel like nothing. So you gave me a voice and that's all I ever ask for. So I, I I am not just saying that because that's what you want to hear, but I, I really do appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Awesome. My guest today has been the playwright and performer Katie Alice White, whose upcoming show, Hi, My Name Is, is playing November 8th, 10th, and 12th at Teatro Latea, which is at 107 Suffolk Street here in New York City. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting NewYorkTheaterFestival.com. And we also have some great contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting on our social media posts, as well as on our episode description. But I am telling you, you've got to check out the show. Hi, my name is, it's, it sounds incredible. It's going to be a wonderful experience. And while you're at it, check out everything coming from Katie, including from her company, Back of House Productions. There's some amazing things, graphic novels, films. I mean, it, she covers the gamut of it all, which is incredible. But coming up November 8th, 10th, and 12th, Head on down to the Teatro Latea to see Hi, My Name Is. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you.
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.